Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you find the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what big wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Betty bought a bought some butter. Sally sells seashores by the sea. No. But she said this butter bit butter's bitter. So if I put it in my batter, (laughs) it but make my batter bitter. True. So Betty Butter bought a bit of better butter, put it in the bitter butter. Now her bitter butter was but better. <laughs> I slit the sheets. The sheets I slit. And upon the slitted sheets I sit. Shit! <laughs> no, I didn't say shit. I am a mother pheasant, pheasant plucker. <laughs> I pluck and I like mother... to pluck mother pheasants. <laughs> That's the best one. That is the best one. This is Mystery Murdery Thingy. Yay. This is a podcast where we do vocal warm-ups and no. we talk about mysteries. This is a book you're reading. <laughs> this is a novel. <laughs> <laughs> it's called Shit We Talk About. You're a podcast. No. It's true. Am I a podcast? I don't know. What is anything? What is anything? That's, <laughs> That's what my we're topic. Discussing today. <laughs> Good segue. Who are you? I'm Mario, or m- maybe I'm not. I'm Chloe, or maybe I'm not. <laughs> you stole my joke. No, I was trying to be like clever and like cute. Me too. And quirky. Great. We're like two like Zoe Deschanel's. We're like super quirky. Isn't no. that her thing? I never yeah, I don't but... like her. I don't know why. I just find her annoying. Sorry, Zoe Deschanel. She is either annoying or this. like there's people that think she's like the hottest woman on the planet. Yeah, and I'm not saying she's unattractive. I'm just I don't I don't really get that necessarily. I don't know. I don't know. Have you ever watched New Girl? Um I've seen like a little bit of it. Well, don't move it too much because it's not... It has to be, like, in the middle. Well, I know, but you're going to change the way it's done. Oh, no. yeah, that's what I was going to say, too. 
it'll be fine. Don't worry. Um, the, the, sorry about the sound last episode. <laughs> like, especially that weird thing at the end where it became Hopefully like, it won't weirdly... happen this episode because we're not using my phone. Yes, we are using my phone, which I will get a new phone probably on Black Friday because it's going to be cheaper. I want a new phone. For now, we are using my phone, which is a little bit janky. Uh, it, it, I believe it's charging right now, but otherwise we may have to wrap up. I want an iPhone. If it, uh, if it starts uh, to run out of battery. So that'll be exciting. Um, we should probably get to like what we're actually talking about, right? Okay. Okay. <laughs> You're talking about reality. I am again, uh, delving into the murky realms of reality. Um, there just was, there's just way too much more to talk about that I didn't get to last episode. I finished it. And I was like, oh, wait, like, I didn't talk about, like, half of the shit that I could be talking about with this topic. These are going to be very conflicting episodes. Uh, You mean the R2 stories? Or whatever? Yeah, exactly. Uh, Mine is very much a thingy, obviously, as was last time. Chloe's a little bit more of a... Mystery. Yes. So, we're covering all of the words in the title of the podcast. A mystery that ends in the murdery. I'm not going to say great because murder's not good, but you know, um, it's uh, you may have to talk about it. Uh, but mine is definitely going to be, you know, very dis- discussion, but a little more scientific, religious discussion this time. So I'm I'm, I'm kind of looking at it from those angles as opposed to last episode, which I t- caught basically covered like Western philosophy in terms of like what is reality, Ooh, what is all of this stuff going on here with the things and the stuff. So what I know, right? We're going Glavin. Um, so I, that's a Simpsons reference. Oh, Professor Frank. Oh, no. No. Yeah, this is because we're 10 years apart in age. Yeah, that's why. <laughs> I watched The Simpsons, though. <laughs> yeah, but you started watching The Simpsons, like, when I stopped oh, watching yeah, The Simpsons. Oh, yeah, we have, like, different, like, ideas of The Simpsons. That's right. weird. We we have, if you will, two separate universes of The Simpsons. It, it's like, you know, it's like our, our cosmology of The Simpsons between the two of us. It's like a multiverse of The Simpsons. I'm trying to segue into my topic. <laughs> <laughs> oh it's so hard and it's crashing so badly okay so okay so i'm gonna okay so i'm gonna cover <laughs> this like from a scientific standpoint uh first science science you can think of this as an extension of the the science episode uh whichever Do one that was the science guy <laughs> fuck bill, yeah bill, bill nye bill, bill. okay i love bill nye everyone loves uh bill yeah he's the best um so, physical cosmology, okay? So, this is the, the kind of the uh, scientific uh, attempt to st- answer this question. What is everything? What is being? What is the universe? You know, how do things work on, like, a fundamental level? What's really going on here, you know? So, physical cosmology is the study of... You know, just like really stop poking, prodding me. I don't know what you're doing. Is I'm the, trying to so, figure out what's real. I know what what is all this. Um, I'm is, also just being annoying. You, nah, you're you're fine. Um, so, physical cosmology. It's the study of the largest scale structures and dynamics of the universe. This is all obviously copied from Wikipedia, and is concerned yeah. with fundamental questions about its origin, structure, evolution, and ultimate fate. Okay, so basically ultimate fate, ultimate fate. What's going to happen? Is the universe going to infinitely expand until it's nothing and it turns cold 
Is it going to re-collapse into itself in a sort of big crunch? Uh, we've all heard of the Big Bang, but there's also a big crunch um, where some people... Would that you know, hurt? Um, it would... It would Yes, I guess. <laughs> I don't. I'm not sure. <laughs> I feel like that's the question with the end of the world. That is the will ultimate question. Will it hurt? Yeah. Or will it be like this is the end where like you eventually get like raptured? We'll talk about all that kind of stuff. Cool. Um, for the most part. Revelations. So, it, it, there will be many, many revelations. Ooh, we should talk about revelations in the Bible because Maybe. that's some crazy shit. Yeah. So this whole idea of like cosmology, you know, like in the sort of Western tradition, right? Caper- the Copernican principle. This is kind of what started out, like the scientific pursuit of this, in, in a way, right? The sun, or no, we're in the center. No, no, no. The, the the, this is what replaced the Earth-centric view of the universe. This is okay. the heliocentric view of the universe. Sun-centered. Sun-centered. So. Copernicus sort of realized through observation that the Earth is not, in fact, the center of the universe and everything is not, in fact, spinning around the Earth, but, in fact, everything is spinning around the sun. And it's in these kind of, like, concentric circles. So this gets refined by Newton in this sort of, like, classical era, right? The classical mechanics um, during the Age of Enlightenment. Um, and what he described was, again, the motion of macroscopic objects, right? Planets, moons, stars, that sort of thing. Okay. And refined the actual dynamics and mechanics of what was going on with them. So that's you know, cosmology. That, a... Right. That That's kind of like cosmology, um, the, the large-scale pursuit of what's really going on here. And, you know, this worked pretty well for, you know, just like any kind of object, right? Newtonian mechanics uh, works for, you know, human beings and, like, objects that we deal with in our everyday lives. But what it does not work well with is atoms and the quantum scale and, like, the things that are just really, really small or going really, really fast. It just doesn't work too well for that for the technical reasons that we won't go into. Why are you talking like that? I like to make little voices. I like it. Good. You said it like you didn't like it. No, You're like, no, why are you no. doing that? <laughs> <laughs> um, it, I'm just doing my podcasting thing, you know. I'm, I'm being like, um, what's, you know, like, um, what's a good, a good reference? Like, you know, just some like zoo animal, you know, uh, uh, radio, you know, like morning radio kind of thing, you know, where you like make little silly voices. Oh, um... Like the Dan Levitard show, you know, they, they do like silly stuff like that. Or like, what was the one on Parks and Rec? The douche. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah. It's always like something and the something, you know, so that's that. I don't know. That's what I guess that's what I'm doing. Um, so there was this like realization that classical mechanics like couldn't deal with like the, the these really tiny objects. You know, this is a, around like the turn of the 20th century you know, people are kind of, like, dealing with the fact that everything is made up of these, like, tiny little, you know, point-like objects that we call atoms. And then there's different kinds, and there's all these fucking particles. And there's, like, so fucking many. I've, like, read about this shit before. I don't remember, like, 90% of what I read on, like, Wikipedia a billion times. It just gets there's very so complicated. Much. There's just so, so much. And I think that's, like, the big realization, you know in the modern era that reality is much more complicated 
and not kind of what we perceive it to be than, like, you could ever fucking imagine, right? Because when you look at it, like, atoms, right, they exist within this, like, superposition of different states, right? Whether we can, like, see that now? Well, we can see it. But only vaguely. So in in quantum, I guess I'll talk about quantum mechanics now. So the reason why it's called quantum mechanics is because there are these quantized values, right? Quantized means at a discrete value. So at one or two or three, not 1.2 or 2.7 or, you know, 3.9. It's just this or this or this. And there are these certain quantized values of energy, momentum, and all the other, like, ways you can describe a particle that are always at these discrete values. That are what? That are always at these discrete values. Okay. So, in other words, like, the universe isn't, you know, kind of like, things are, like, jumping from one kind of state to another kind of state. But while they're doing that, there's also this thing called wave-particle duality, where, like, objects, like atoms and protons and things, they act both like waves and particles, right? So you probably heard about this in reference to, like, light. Physics. In, in your physics, in, like, a high school physics class. But, like, everything kind of works that way, where everything is kind of like a wave and kind of like a particle. Which makes no sense to me. I don't... It it implies this kind of, like, dual nature to reality. Or, like, in some way, reality is, like, has more than one aspect to it. And we kind of don't reali- know why exactly. Um, which also kind of gets to what's called the uncertainty principle. Ooh. Which is that not all aspects of a given object can be known with exact certainty at the same time. So not all aspects of a given object, you know, like an atom or a proton or a neutron or whatever, can be known with exact certainty at the same time. If I know exactly how fast something is going, I can't know exactly where it is. If I know exactly where it is, I can't know exactly how fast it's going. Why? That's the mystery. Oh. (laughs) You know, we don't know why. (laughs) Exactly. Um, People are working on it, you know. They win Nobel Prizes for figuring out more shit about why why is that oh like the first woman who won in 50 years exactly in in, uh yeah um i think it was like 55 years actually i think it was 1963 was the last woman and then the woman before that was in 1903 so it was it it was 60 years between and then 55 years between and even even she was really surprised i know um like, when, when they told her that, I, I was, like, listening on BBC, um, when they told her that, she was like, really? She was like, oh, I didn't realize it was that few. <laughs> so, like, she, even she didn't know. Um, but, yeah, exactly. Like, th- that's a good reminder that as we talk about, like, any scientific pursuit, women have contributed, you know, just as much as men, um, especially considering the restrictions upon, you know, under which they've been... Um, doing these things, you know, in, in a lot of cultures, including our culture, you know, for a long time, um, you know, that, yeah, it's like important to, you know, kind of recognize that too. As I'm talking about like Newton and like, you know, Einstein and like the men tend to get like picked out. Marie Curie! But yeah, people like Marie Curie or, you know, any number of of female um, scientists. Uh, Anyway, so this kind of leads into this like more modern contemporary pursuit called the theory of everything 
So this is like kind of the 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 cutting edge uh, of what you know science really thinks is like really going on here, right? Oh, that's weird. And the, to like here, think to even process. I know. What, it's, what is it, really going on here? It's very existential. Um, but science tries to make it like very you know particular and nailed down, uh, which appeals to me. Um, so the theory of everything uh, is, quote, a hypothetical, single, all-encompassing, coherent, theoretical framework of physics that fully explains and links together all physical aspects of the universe, close quote. I don't know. What from Wikipedia. Any, I don't understand any of that. So we'll, we'll break it down. So <laughs> a, a hypothetical, right? It's not proven. Okay. None of the – that another – I'll, I'll talk about general relativity, which has a lot of experimental uh, backing to it. But then I'll talk also about other theories that do not really have experimental background and not clear how they actually could. So that's why it's it's kind of hypothetical. And it's it's single, right? So it's not that it works with, like, planets and humans and then doesn't work with, like, atoms and light. Or vice versa, it works with everything. It okay. describes everything. Okay. Right. And then all encompassing. It's all encompassing. Coherent. Which coherent means that it it works in both realms in the same way, right? That I can okay. describe the motion um, of a planet in the same way I can describe the motion of a proton in exactly the same terms, like mathematical terms. And right? then what is a framework of physics? So a theoretical framework of physics is like a group of like laws and principles and theories that describe the motion and nature of objects, right? And so this describes the universe and links together all physical aspects of the universe. Exactly. So break it down now. Right. What is what is reality from this point of view is okay, let's make like a list of everything and a way to understand everything. Which is not unlike what I'm going to talk about in the second half of my topic, which is like the religious, you know, ways of doing it. it it's sort of like the same impulse or instinct, but in science, it's all about like observation, hypothesis, like uh, experiment, you know, retesting. It, it, it's like a more like systemized kind of like way to try to get to that same answer. of Like what is everything and what is everything do or what what is everything like right it's that like essence versus um uh i can't remember it's like one of those dichotomies that i talked about in the last episode so in that same way there's this like dichotomy that i was just kind of referencing between what works at the large scale and what works at the quantum scale right so this sort of attempt to create a theory of everything started out with general relativity in the modern era we we could say um, and general relativity is, you know, the Einsteinian theory that the curvature of space-time is directly related to the energy and momentum of whatever matter and ro- radiation are present. So mass deforms space-time, and that is what creates gravity. Oh. And we, again, go back to the science episode uh, for a fuller kind of diving into that. We, we've kind of already already done that topic a bit. Um but what this also leads to is black holes. Right. Black, black right. holes. Are... That's just what I was about to mention. Yes. 
that's clearly the, the next thing that comes up whenever you're talking about general relativity. Like, ooh, fucking black holes. What the fuck are they? <laughs> Those are so cool. Um, so, you know, black holes, it's this idea that there is a, a, a point in space-time where there's so much gravity that it's deformed to such an extent that even light cannot escape it. So a photon, you know, approaches a black hole and it gets sucked in never to come back out again. Now... That we think. Well, exactly. Except that right? now we're, we're or... kind of rethinking that principle in light of a lot of the um, experiments and, and, like, work by Stephen Hawking, you know, who um, obviously came up with Hawking radiation or, like, he's the one whose name got ascribed to that, right? This idea that actually the black hole itself creates radiation that subtly, like, releases particles from within it and energy from within it and therefore over time black holes are going to dissipate and like go away or whatever is going to happen but in the more immediate term what we know black holes also do is create what are called gravitational lensing which is the bending of light from a distant object around a black hole to make it seem like there are like two of them or like four of them which i think is kind of cool um, this is one of the ways in which general relativity has been experimentally proven because Einstein predicted that this kind of thing would happen and the exact way in which it would happen. And then it did happen, <laughs> which is so fucking crazy <laughs> that he just like by math and like his thoughts was like, oh yeah, this, this thing where like you see two of a distant galaxy, um, as if there were like a lens in the sky because of black holes that's what's going to, you're going to find that out. And then like fucking almost a hundred years later, I think we do and we find it and we're like, oh shit, he was right. So it's like sucking in light. And as it's sucking in the light, it's doing that because it's curved, right? It's a, it's a, a, a I guess. it's an area of <laughs> deep curvature, right? You can think of this as like a whirlpool within like a river. Okay. Right. So if you had like, say, you know, a, a, a bunch of you know, colored balls going down a river, right? And you, um, you know, they, they would be kind of like moving around that whirlpool, right? Yes. Right, yeah. And um, if, you know, you you had like a, a coherent, like, you know, kind of stripe of like a different color going down the middle, it would like go around that curvature and then come back in the middle. So... At one point, you would so you see, know there's a you know, there were like two, there. but you, it was really one and then one. Okay. You know okay. what I mean? And that's yeah. what's happening to the light. And it's creating this impression of multiple objects, whereas behind the black hole, there's just one object. Whoa. Yeah. It's like crazy. Um, but it's like a real thing. Like it's been, we've seen many, many of these. We, astronomers use them to see super distant galaxies because what they also do is like make really, Can really distant galaxies, you know, clo look closer. black holes? No, you cannot look through a black hole. That's kind of the whole point of why it's called black because there's no, you can't see light within it, right? It's black because it sucks in all the light that's directly around it. So we can never see them per se, but we can see the radiation coming off of them and we can see their gravitational lensing effects. And now we can actually also see what are called gravitational waves. Now, this is something we, like, just did, like, in the past few years. I remember we talked about this. Right, with, the like, the LIGO experiment, um, where 
you know, the, we, we can actually detect, um, the deformature of space-time through gravitational waves, um, you know, it, essentially, it's like, if you, you know, are looking at a wave on the, on the ocean, and then you had a little, you know, um, you know, ship on the top, and it's just, like, slightly moved by that little wave, they measure, you know, how much that moves, and they can see these gravitational waves. But you can read about, like, the LIGO experience if you want, like, a, a technical explanation or whatever. So, you know, general relativity, quantum mechanics, you know, they're both great. Um, they're, they're, you know, pretty cool. They're very elegant. They work, but they only work in their own respective realms. Uh, and those realms... What do you mean? So, again, um, general relativity works for macroscopic objects. Planets, people, stars, um, you know, tables, all that kind of stuff, Right. Quantum mechanics works for, like, atoms and protons and light and that kind of stuff. But if you try to describe the motion of planets with quantum mechanics, the numbers come out all wrong and vice versa. Oh. So we know that they they just are not describing the same universe in a way. <laughs> but we know they exist within the same universe because we exist to, to detect, like, quantum okay, stuff. Okay, so then... I guess the question is, what does that mean? Right, exactly. And the... Why is that? Right, and and, and kind of the best, like, um, ideas about this, and these are the ones that, like, really don't have any kind of experimental, you know, backing, nor really could they, um, you know, uh, string theory, right? So that's the first thing I'm going to talk about. So string theory, you may have heard of it. Um, it's pretty cool. It's like the new kid on the block. Sort new of. There is a, the there's back. an even newer kid on the block, so we'll talk about that too. Um, string theory is a type of quantum gravity theory, okay? Quantum gravity theory relates to how does gravity work on the smallest scales, okay? Because the thing is, like, gravity, it's, it's, like, really strong, right? It keeps the planets in orbit around the sun, but it's very weak over short uh, over, over short distances, right? Like I'm exerting a, a gravitational effect on like Chloe right now. Okay. But that doesn't mean I'm like pulling you towards me. It's just very, very tiny. Right. Um, because I'm very tiny and you're also very tiny. So we don't deform space time that much. You're tinier. That is true, <laughs> but only slightly. Um, Although I, I so do, have, I do have more mass. in the scale of the universe, we're quite small. I do have more mass than you because I weigh, what, like 135, 140? You weigh, like, 110? I weigh, like, none of your beeswax. Yep, exactly. Less than me. Totally. So, actually, I would pull you towards me. Um, oh. Yes. Uh, wow. So, it, it's really hard to describe gravity in the quantum realm because it's such a small time or such a small scale and the things are so small of mass, right? Um, but what string theory does is it, it kind of explains all these mysteries um, by kind of positing this idea that particles are not actually these point-like particles that we perceive them to be. In fact, what's actually really going on is that they are one-dimensional strings, right? So not points, but strings. And that's like space-time? And that's what creates space-time. Now, if you're bigger than one of these strings, the string just looks like a point. 
But if you exist on the scale of the string, then you would perceive it as this one-dimensional string. So we are bigger? We're, um, and that's why we see it as a point? Yes, we're, we're, we're so much bigger. We're, we're in like a different realm of existence, <laughs> you know, in, in essence, um, so to speak. Uh, so uh, properties of all objects, right? Uh, everything essentially is, is actually created by a vibration of these strings. And, and that's why things are the way they are. And one of the vibrations of those tiny, tiny little strings creates what's called a graviton, which is a particle that we have not yet uh, detected or found, but is theorized to exist, which carries the force of gravity. And that's what creates gravity, and that's why we can call it a type of quantum gravity theory, because it explains both those things in, like, one theory. And string theory could also explain, if it is true many other mysteries in physics, like how black holes work, how the universe began, why solid, solids and liquids are the way they are, uh, which is called like condensed matter physics. It, it's just a very useful theory. Um, you know, it's just like what there, there can't really be any evidence that exists for it because we can't detect anything at that scale. So like, okay. Um, but what's also grown out of string theory is what's called M-theory, also for which there is no, like, real evidence, but... Theory? Well, theory in a scientific sense usually means that there's a great amount of evidence to back it up, but yes, in a colloquial sense, a theory, a hypothesis, um, you know, a a sort of, you know, sketched-out idea of how things might be. So... M theory, though, is our kind of our best guess right now for what is this kind of like theory of everything. The TOE, as people like to say, who are nerdy like me. Um, so what the what M theory does is it unifies quantum physics and general relativity. So that that kind of central issue of modern, you know, cosmology that we were talking about earlier. And what it also does is combines all five, you didn't even know, there were five of the different versions of string theory. And it posits that strings are one-dimensional cutouts of a two-dimensional membrane in 11-dimensional space-time, right? Because that's just what would make the most sense logically, intuitively. I'm I'm uh, joking uh, for for technical reasons, Uh-oh. which we won't go into. So it expands one dimensional strings into what are called multi dimensional brains. Mm. What isn't that fun? I don't like that. Oh, I don't like that. Now this isn't like the brain in your head. It's B R A N E S. It's it's a brain, the object brain. Um, are which, they alive? You know, no, no, it's it's not that. That's not what they're saying. Um, but you know, even though there's no like you know experimental evidence for this, um, it is kind of borne out by this sort of like mathematical consistency. There are these different tests that they've put it to that it's kind of passed. Okay, so all that aside, what we really do know right now about what is the nature of the universe is that is expanding. So that question that we started out with, you know, is it, are we going to end in a a big crunch? Probably not. 
Um, probably what's going to happen, if anything, is, you know, the, the, it's just going to expand forever. The big rip, as people call it, uh, sometimes. Um, because we do know that the universe is expanding because of this thing called dark energy. Which you'll also recall from... We talked about that A previous well. episode. Exactly. And dark energy plays into what's called um, the lambda CDM model. The lambda cold dark matter model of, you know, cosmology. This is kind of like our, our standard model um, understanding right now. That's like well, you know, backed up with, with experimental data. Okay. Um, and this tells us that the universe, you know, basically started with the Big Bang and that it's now a consequence of the structure that expanded from that initial, you know, explosion and that it is um, expanding at an accelerating rate. And this is what we call the cosmological constant, which is denoted by the Greek letter lambda, which is why it's called lambda cold dark matter, you know, model. And it's uh, frequently referred to as the standard model um, because it's the simplest one that provides a reasonably good account of, you know, kind of the main properties of the cosmos, right? The existence and structure of what's called the cosmic microwave background. And this is all happening pretty slowly, right? Yes. Uh, after that initial explosion, things progressed at a much more measured pace over the next you know, what, what has it been, like 14 billion years, I think, that the universe has been around? I don't know why you're is asking that, Is that the current, I think that's, I don't know, I'm kind of pulling that out of my ass, but I think that's right. I don't know. Well, I'll do corrections next time, um, if it's wrong. So the um, microwave, cosmic, cosmic microwave background is this kind of like imprint of the Big Bang. 13.8, excuse me. Um, billion years. Billion years. That was good, though. 14, you had it. You know, I'm pretty nerdy. Um, it also best explains the large-scale structure of the distribution of galaxies and the abundance of hydrogen, helium, and lithium, as well as that accelerating expansion of the universe observed, you know, in light from distant galaxies and supernovae, um, some of which work has been done at the University of Hawaii in the past, like, several years. How do they know... Or why is helium, lithium, and whatever, why is that so important? Because those are the main constituents of, you know, stars. And stars are what make up most of the mass of, you know, the visible, you know, mass of the universe. But we're not sta a star. No, but we are. It, it was necessary for stars to form and to have supernovae before we could exist. Because there are... Um, elements that exist within us that are like ne really necessary for our functioning that were created only in supernovae like they wouldn't be created otherwise so are we now jewish <laughs> why would we be jewish because i've accepted this as fact <laughs> <laughs> what is fact the idea that we come from stars <laughs> is that is that a jewish idea yes I didn't know that. Hmm. Oh, I thought you would understand. Then the joke wasn't funny. <laughs> I did not. Sorry, I did not get it. But that does kind of segue into what I'm going to talk about next, was which is the religious cosmologies. And I'll just kind of briefly touch on each of these because I'm, I'm why, kind of going on for a long time. It's why um, 
those who practice Judaism are against tattoos, highly frowned upon because you're uh, like marking this beautiful structure that was made from stars. Sure. I, I, I suppose I can, I can see the internal logic of that. Um, so you started us off with Jewish, you know, sort a sort of Jewish cosmology in a way. Um, I'm also going to talk about Buddhist cosmology. So in Buddhist cosmology, there's this, obviously there's like way, way more to all of these that I'm going to talk about, but I wanted to just highlight what they call vertical cosmology, which is the idea that the universe exists of many worlds, of many planes or realms, all stacked one on top of the other in layers. And each world corresponds to a mental state or a state of being. And a world is not really like a location so much as it is the beings which compose it. It's sustained by their karma. And if the beings in a world all die or disappear, the world disappears too. Likewise, a world comes into existence when the first being is born into it. And obviously that was a quote from Wikipedia. Um, Obviously. I, I mean, I'm sure you could tell that. Um, but I wanted, you know, I thought this one was really interesting because it, it really fed into what I talked about last episode in terms of like anti-realism. Um, you know, one of the ideas in anti-realism is that the universe per- is created by perception, right? Perception is necessary to create a physical universe. And that seems like it's like a lot of Buddhist, Buddhist cosmology as well. It's like created in your mind, or at least this realm or this plane, right, is. So I thought that was pretty cool. Uh, pretty cool. Pretty key. Pretty, 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 uh, pretty, uh, pretty cool. That's key. It's key. <laughs> I was going to talk about Hindu cosmology, which is that time is, you know, cyclic, right? So that there's not like one straight arrow. We're never going to, there was no beginning to the universe. There was no, there was no end to the universe. It all just is, you know, man. I feel you. Right. Man. I know. And that there are all, there's a bunch of different theories within Hindu cosmology as to what like the nature of the universe is as well. They didn't like take one particular, you know, um, theory or idea on that, but they did hold true to this idea of like time being cyclic. So I was also going to talk about Jain cosmology. Um, if you've heard of Jainism, uh, so Jain cosmology, it considers the universe like an uncreated entity existing Ooh. since infinity, having no beginning or end. And Jain texts describe the shape of the universe as similar to a man standing with legs apart and arm resting on his waist. For some reason, this not to make light of it, this universe, according to Jainism, is narrow at the top, broad at the middle, and once again broad at the bottom. Okay. Which I just thought was like it was it was all just very oddly specific. So I'm not sure. Um obviously a quote from Wikipedia and I wanted to do another quote from Wikipedia. Wikipedia. Thank you Wikipedia. Um from you know uh, kind of a, a Jane text. So quote some foolish men declare that a creator made the world. The doctrine that the world was created is ill-advised and should be rejected. If God created the world, where was he before the creation? If you say he was transcendent and needed no support, where is he now? How 
Could God have made this world without any raw material? If you say that he made this first and then the world, you are faced with an endless regression. Close quote. I don't... In other words, if God made the world out of nothing, then who made God? It's that idea. Which I've always thought, ever since I was a little kid sitting in Catholic church... That that was, like, a pretty good argument against, like, the existence of God in the way that they thought. It's like, yeah, but there's this kind of, like, logical fallacy that's inherent within, like, this central doctrine of Christian faith. But anyway, not to go all, you know, um, unbeliever on you. Actually, I was going to talk about Christian the Jewish faith next. Okay. Um, Sort of, like, Abrahamic religions. Um, So there was this interesting kind of, like, shift, okay? So, like... Um, around the time of Jesus or a little bit earlier, right? So like, you know, right around the, the zero point, uh, 2000. So, you know, some odd years ago, um, the Greek idea that God had actually created matter replaced the older idea that matter had always existed, but in a chaotic state, this concept called creatio ex nihilo. Oh, Right, which is, you know, created from nothing. Um, which is it's kind unsettling. Of what we're, it, it is kind of weird to think about, like, other than what is nothing. I don't know. Um, it's now an accepted orthodoxy of most denominations of Judaism, Christianity, right? Creatio ex nihilo. Most denominations of Christianity and Judaism believe that a single, uncreated God was responsible for the creation of the cosmos, as it is. And that the nature of the cosmos, I suppose, is is like kind of mysterious. I'm not sure how, I mean, at least in my experience with Christianity, there didn't seem to be like that kind of like full fleshed out attempt to explain what the universe is or why. Um, but maybe I just didn't read the Bible enough. I'm not sure. Um, but the I wanted to also talk about the Genesis narrative. Um, the Israelites, um, you know, Jewish Israelites, believed that the earth was flat and that there was a morally neutral underworld that you went to when you died until around 330 BCE when they adopted the Greek belief that the underworld is a punishment and that the upper realm is a reward. So again, kind of an interesting shift, um, you know, right around the turn of the, of the, of the millennium um, or so. And then uh, I just wanted to finish out by talking about Islamic cosmology. So in Islamic cosmology, there's this duality. Islamic thought characterizes the entire cosmos into two domains. The unseen universe, which is imperceptible to mankind in general and has properties that are like just completely unknown to us, unknowable by us, and includes, you know, Allah, angels, paradise, hell, the seven heavens, and the divine throne. So that's all in the unseen universe. And then there's the observable universe, which is perceptible to us through the five senses and, you know, possibly enhanced by, you know, instruments. Um, And what the Quran says about that is, quote, Allah is he who is the only God, the knower of the unseen and the observed, close quote. So, you know, this idea that God stands apart from reality right and sees it as it really is or what really is and then what only appears to be to us which is that kind of like observable unobservable 
And I think, you know, again, a lot of these religious mythologies, cosmologies, narratives, you know, stories bear kind of a striking resemblance in fundamental ways to the scientific current understanding of what we think the universe really is, right? How so? In the sense that there's the strong sense of dualities, right? Different realms of existence. The religious doctrines talk about them in sort of metaphysical terms, but essentially they're describing the same thing as, you know, quantum mechanics as opposed to general relativity. It's two realms of existence that are incomprehensible to one another, one of which we can't actually experience or, or you know, directly uh, describe in, in, in all detail. Um, so, you know, th- there's this strong aspect of, like, a mysterious realm existing that I guess has just been part of our collective unconscious for, like, a long time Ooh. that, you know, comes out of this. Um, and just this, like, I guess, inherent mystery as to what happened before the universe and what will happen after the universe. And and is that actually a, a fair way to describe what's really going on here? Is there a before or an after? Yeah. Neither science nor religion has any, you know, the real The first answer. question is, is there a before? Is there an after? Right. right, exactly. Whoa. You know, even apart from what the universe is, you know, you know what? what is kind of the structure above the universe? <laughs> um, and I think different religious, you know, you know, uh, uh, ideologies have uh, attempted to, you know, come up with answers to that question. It's kind of like one of those fundamental questions that's always been with us and always will be because ultimately we're never going to know what reality is. I think. I think that's just part of reality. Mystery forever unsolved. Stamp. Yep. There it is. And that's that's the end of my two-parter on what is reality. I went I went on for a fucking long time. Yeah, I know. I hope I hope that was interesting. Okay. Now you do your murdery thingy. <laughs> okay. Take your glasses off. <laughs> okay. I I know. Just go just go. Just do your thing. So, let's talk about let's talk about sex, baby. Let's talk about you. Okay. Let's talk about Ursula and Sabina Erickson. Okay. Get ready for a wild fucking ride, everybody. This shit's crazy. Whoa. I'm excited. Okay, so. <laughs> first, we'll just talk a little bit about, about them. So, they were born November 3rd, 1967. Uh, they're twins, identical twins. The sisters grew up in Sundbarmland, Sweden. Um... And this is important to note that they have no history of mental health issues at all. They both had a seemingly normal childhood. So by the year 2000, Ursula was living in the USA and Sabina um, was in County Cork, Ireland with her partner and two kids. Um, So eight years later, in May of 2008, Ursula decides to visit her sister um, uh, over in Ireland uh, within 24 hours, they were on a ferry to Liverpool. When they got there, they went to St. Anne's Street Police Station to report concerns over Sabina's kids' safety. Which begs the question, why couldn't they report this back in Ireland? And why are they going to London in the first place? Um, 
a few hours later, uh, they've headed uh, to London via a coach bus. However, they never made it because they were kicked off the bus for strange behavior. So they wouldn't let the driver take their bags, which caused him to believe they were carrying something suspicious. Um, so what he does is he like calls the retail manager and her name's Melissa Dutton and she takes care of it. Um, she arrives on scene. She sees them like acting strangely. They're like clutching their bags to their chests, whispering. Um, she sees this and she calls the police. Um, so what happens is the police talk to them, um, finds out their situation, gives them a number to call another coach to London, but they didn't. They took off on foot. And eventually, they walked onto the M6 motorway. So this is a huge... Yeah. <laughs> so this is a huge... No. Huge eight-line highway. Don't do that. Not for pedestrians at all. My God. Meanwhile, uh... We have a reality TV show that follows the lives of specific traffic traffic police in Britain's M6 motorway. It's like cops, but for like highway accidents and like crazy, crazy, dramatic shit. Yeah. Um, so what happens is they catch the twins on their CCTV cameras. Um, and so what they do, they dispatch two officers out there to get them safely off the motorway. Um, and as... Uh, the second set of officers are being dispatched. Um, they hear on the radio that one of the twins runs straight out into traffic and get hit and gets hit by a car. So as they arrive, they're like, they hear this. They're expecting like serious injury. They're expecting even a body, but she survived. She was completely fine. She was on her feet. And so now uh, they have just these two girls. These two, they don't know their twin sisters yet, but girls that are just standing there in the middle. Um, I'm like the median and they're pulled over. Shit gets crazier. So as the on-scene officers brief the ones that had just arrived, um, and there's video of all of this. You can see all of this like on YouTube. Um, one of the twins runs out into oncoming traffic again. She straight up gets hit by a lorry, they call it, um, which is like a semi-truck. Uh, straight up tr- truck. Seconds later, the other one also runs into traffic. Um, and there's visible damage to, uh, sh- to the windshield of a Sudan. Like, she hit it straight on. And so keep in mind that all of this is happening on a live reality TV show. Oh my fucking god. Yeah. So, we have these two women hit by cars. One twin is unconscious. The other twin has serious leg injuries, compound fracture, fractures. Her leg, quote, exploded. But she was, oh. like, moving around and being restless. And she, gets ag- she becomes aggressive. She becomes violent. She starts screaming things like, where are the police? Um, I know you're not real. I don't recognize you. Or they're going to steal your organs and all types of weird shit. But at this point in time, the cops are like, she's nuts she's on she's high she's on drugs or something so just as all this is happening the other twin who was unconscious wakes up becomes just as aggressive and eventually gets up off the ground punches the police officer and takes off running onto the opposite side of the highway straight into oncoming traffic again 
So it ended up taking six people, two officers and four people from the public, to restrain her, the one who crossed the lanes. So, yeah, your face right now. What the fuck? So what, yeah, what the... in my notes, it literally says, so WTF. Is she <laughs> nice. drunk? Is she, dr- is she on drugs? And I did not read that. Is this some serious head injury? Um, and, like, violence and, like, sudden, like, um, a- amnesia or confusion res- can- is, like, a possible reaction for those with serious head injuries. It kind of reminds me of a condition that I read about one time where you, like, can't recognize your family. <gasps> Because, like, the parts of your brain that, like, identify them and, like, associate these feelings with them get disconnected. That's So you think they're, like, pod people or there's, like, some grand conspiracy against you. Maybe it was something like that. Because when they were saying, like, I know you're not real. You're just, like, out to get me or something. Yeah. I don't know. Um... So she can't be, she's injured, remember? So right. she can't be treated if she isn't relaxed. So by when the ambulance got there, they uh, sedated her. Of course. Um, so one officer thought it could have been some kind of suicide pact. Um, both the twins were injured, but they continued to fight against the ones that were trying to help them. So in total, Sabina Erickson, she's the one who was doing the running she runs into traffic a total of three times so the one time when that first got the police attention um the second time after uh getting hit by the semi-truck and the third time when she um escapes from the police officer and crosses the median so three times so at this point they have these uh two women in the hospital and they don't know uh, their identities. So what they do, they end up searching their possessions. They find multiple cell phones, um, no IDs. Um, but eventually they discover that, uh, I think they find passports or something, that they're identical 40-year-old twins, Sabina and Ursula Erickson. So then they have these random women. Like, why were they on the motorway? Why did they run? Were they running from the police? And if they were running from the police, Why? And why were they violent? Why were they fighting? So this is just half of the story. Shit gets crazier. So now we have Ursula, who was... um, Ursula... Okay, no, no, wait. Sabina did not get hit by the truck. Ursula got hit by the truck. She is in critical condition. But just five hours after the incident, her sister, Sabina, is released. Um, She was the one who was not hit by a truck. And Sabina was the one that was first unconscious. And the one who ran first, I believe. Okay. Yes. Um, So she's released from the hospital. They filmed the process of her going through custody, but they didn't put it on air for legal reasons. But I watched a BBC documentary, um, and they showed the footage. So she says some, she says something weird. She says, quote, we say always in Sweden that an accident rarely comes alone. Usually at least one more follows, perhaps two, end quote. And this whole time, 
She's worried about the little things instead of the big things. She's so she's in custody after assaulting a police officer and like endangering traffic. Um, but she's worried about how she looks. She's worried about what she's going to wear when she's going to get out of this hospital gown. And she never asks about her sister at all. Um, she, either she didn't care or she couldn't remember. That's also the question here. Hmm. So she passed. Um, a drug test. Both of them passed a drug test um, when they got to the hospital. There were no drugs or alcohol found in their possession and they passed the drug tests. Mm-hmm. So Sabina was charged for assaulting a police officer and endangerment on the motorway. Um, at this point, Ursula is still recovering in the hospital. Um, when they call relatives, the relatives said they have no clue why Sabina and Ursula were even over there in England. It didn't make any sense. So Sabina is released. Her sister is recovering in the hospital. The next day after Sabina was released, here's what happened according to key witnesses. So she's walking around and she is spotted by a man named Glenn Hollinshed, who was walking his dog, um, walking with his dog and he was walking with his friend Peter Malloy. So she she looks a little disoriented and he ends up asking her if she's or no no what what she does is she's like oh my god i like your dog and so they get start talking about dogs but she eventually tells him how her sister's in the hospital and that she's basically just looking for a bed and breakfast glenn says there are not any around here um but he offers his place uh peter the best friend as they're walking over to Glenn's place, he sees that she has two cell phones, a laptop, a few cigarettes, and a red cardigan. Um, at this point, she once they get to the house, she starts to become really paranoid. She like shuts the curtains. Um, she starts acting really weird. She thought the cigarettes that she had like been smoking all day might suddenly be poisoned. Um, so she stays overnight, and the next day. Um, Glenn walks out to his neighbor who was washing his car. Glenn was staggering. Glenn was bleeding. And he said, she stabbed me and collapsed. So, turns out, she stabbed Glenn Hollinshed five times as he was making her breakfast. What? So, CCTV captures her running from his house carrying a lump hammer. One witness in his car, just like this random guy spots her. He sees her like bang her head, her own head with the hammer. So he gets out of the car and like takes the hammer, the hammer from her. He describes her as having blood on her head and bloody matted hair. Quote, primitive type of rage. What she ended up doing is she hit him in the head with a roof tile that she had in her pocket and ran off. So by this point, she's being chased by the police. As she's being chased by the police, she runs onto a bridge that's 40 feet above the highway and jumps. She survives. What? She survives with two broken ankles and a fractured skull. So here we are. Ursula, her sister, is released from the hospital three months later in September of 2008. Um, And her sister recovers and she's relocated to Sweden. Sabina, on the other hand, um, is released from the hospital the same month and charged with the murder of Glenn Hollinshed. So as they 
they investigate, right? They start their investigation. She replies no comment to every question and she never tells her side of the story. So we will never know what the fuck was happening here. So the trial um, happened 18 months later. 18 months later. 18 uh, months later. 18 months later. So Sabina is assessed by two psychiatrists and determined to be mentally ill during the time of the murder. A man named Professor, N- Professor Nigel Eastman, one of Britain's leading forensic psychiatrists, um, he diagnoses them with induced delusional disorder or folia du. Did I say that right? I don't fucking know. Folia du. 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 Oui, oui, baguette. I feel terrible. I feel terrible. Oh, mademoiselle, <laughs> come to my room and I will pour you some champagne. We will listen to some. I have a poodle. Sweet music. <laughs> I have a poodle. You may pet him. <gasps> you may pet anything else if you like. Okay, moving on. <laughs> Induced delusional disorder. Which um, is a psychiatric Wikipedia definition. Psychiatric. Psychiatric <laughs> disorder. I'm just mumbling. <laughs> a psychiatric disorder where delusional beliefs and sometimes sometimes hallucinations are transmitted from one person to another. So this is something that's very, very rare. Um What happens is that the sufferer abruptly becomes ill. It could last a few weeks and it can come and go in severity and then it goes away. Sedation will not get rid of the illness, but it can, quote, take the edge off. Um, So Sabina was labeled a, quote, secondary sufferer, while her sister Ursula is the, quote, primary. Mm. Um, Sabina pleaded guilty to manslaughter with diminished responsibility on September 2nd, 2009. And she, I think, is up for, was up for parole in 2011. I didn't Google what's going on with them now. Mm. Um, But, yeah. That's That's, the story. That's a a pretty, uh, pretty story. Let me run into uh, traffic and then stab a man for no fucking reason. I guess there there must have been some something in her head There's, at some point. It, I'm yeah. I think it was like a weird, like shared delusion. Could be. Yeah, that seems most likely. Um, I did want I I just wanted to mention. I mean, obviously my sources were Wikipedia. Uh, just I basically went to the cosmology page and just like branched off from there, uh, which I think is a pretty cool thing about Wikipedia that you can do, just like get into a fucking Wikipedia hole. Have you ever played the Wikipedia game? I'm not sure what that means. So basically you press like random article and then you click on links and see how long it takes you to get to Jesus. <laughs> okay. I like it. Um, so you're, are you done or did you want to do your sources too? Or? Oh, okay. So my sources were Wikipedia and a BBC documentary titled Madness in the Fast Lane. Good. <laughs> madness in the Fast Lane. I think they say madness. Madness. Madness in the fast line. In the fast line. I think they say fast as well. <laughs> Madness in the fast line. I don't know. I don't know. Anyway. Weird shit in the news. Weird shit in the news. What? Weird shit. In the news. Weird. Weird. Shit in the news. Weird. <laughs>
weird. It's shit. So I'm going to do a story in the Washington Post by Lindsay Bever, and it is titled Police. Booby-trapped house felt like Indiana Jones. Agent was shot by a wheelchair. Pretty weird, huh? Ooh. Right? So this weird guy named Gregory Lee Rodevelt apparently is uh, sort of a a serial criminal, um, a bad dude, if you will. Um, And in 2017, he was arrested for illegally possessing explosive devices. Um, You know, he's like sort of a, a mad scientist criminal. So, you know, that's... If it were in a narrative film or TV show, would be kind of cool. But in not in real life. Don't do that. Um, <laughs> don't do that. Don't, don't do that shit. It's not worth it. Um, but he had just been released from custody, um, you know, because he had to, like, take care of some, like, legal business or some shit. And while he was out, he actually went back to his home and kind of, like, booby-trapped the fuck out of it. Why? Because he's a dick, I guess. I don't know. Um... What he knew, though, was, like, police were going to come look at this house, right? So I think that was, like, the idea. He was, like, setting it up for them. It's sort of like Home Alone in a way, which they mention in this article. Um, So what they first found, the police did, when they came to the house was a big, um, you know, like a, a, a van with, like, bear traps, essentially, like, all around it. Oh my okay. god. <laughs> so that's that's like the first thing. Cool. That's just the first. That's the first thing. And um they also found a rat trap in the garage that was not actually set up but they can tell was like meant to hold a shotgun shell to like, you know, if anyone stepped on it, it would like, you know, shotgun their foot off or whatever. There was also a hot tub which was like perched up on its side and was like going to roll down when anyone opened the gate. Like fucking Home Alone. <laughs> oh, my God. Or Raiders of the Lost Ark. That's what that one was like. Um, they also found a wheelchair inside the house. And when one of them went to move it, there was, like, an explosive on it, I guess. And one of the officer's legs was hit by a piece of shrapnel. What? And they had to, like, take him to the hospital This is real life. Yeah, this is real fucking life. <laughs> this happened, like, last Friday or something, some shit. Um, so, yeah, they just found, like, all this shit. In the house, and it was, like, pretty crazy. And uh, when they asked, you know, Rodevelt, the the perp, you know, why he did this, or to tell him about, like, other traps in the house, all he said was, quote, I would not race right in. Close quote. Because oh. <laughs> he's a, a creepy motherfucker. <laughs> okay, now you go. Um, okay. You had some weird shit in the I news, right? I got it. I've got I'm the weird it up shit right now on my phone. I've okay. got the weird shit. So it's loading on my phone. So this is from news. Dot am. A very reputable source. Shut up. <laughs> <laughs> Mine so, was from the Washington Post. <laughs> oh, this isn't from this country. Oh, okay, cool. Because the ads are like, is that Russian? Um, I don't believe so. Or that might be. I'm not sure. Anyway, the title is... <laughs> this might be some fake news, y'all. <laughs> but it's... We're gonna enjoy it. <laughs> okay, cool. The title is 
Man given bionic penis, quote, <laughs> went into five-day coma a week after having sex for the first time, end quote. <laughs> a man who was born without a penis has spent five days in a coma when he collapsed a week after having sex for the first time since getting a bionic penis. Andrew Wardle, 45, underwent an intensive 10-hour operation to fit the the $50,000 euro bionic penis, which he has described as, quote, ridiculously big. This this cannot be a real story. I don't know, man. Bionic penis. Is that a thing? He had a fever for days and was vomiting. They thought he had a neurovirus. CCTV shows thugs attacking three friends on their way home from university reunion quote he was supposed to be catching a trip what (laughs) (laughs) what is this what have you dredged up what did you find this on fucking uh twitter no this was on reddit of course (laughs) of course ah cool i love it i think it happened i fucking love it if you believe then it could be true i suppose if you wish upon a star. Um, so I think that's probably an episode, right? One episode. Yay, 40 episodes down. One million to go. Um, thank you for listening to us and our stories. Our stories. Yes. Um, so yeah, like... Tell us things that you want to hear about. Is The Independent a real site? Uh, yeah. Um, it's on The Independent. Cool. I, yes! believe, I believe it now. So, yeah, uh, you can email us, you know, mysterymurderythingy at gmail.com. Uh, definitely send us, like, your thoughts and, like, ideas and shit. And weird shit in the news if you find it. Follow us on Instagram. On the gram. Chloe's been putting more shit up there. More shit up there. Good shit. Good shit. Right? Um, yeah, and just, like, tell all your fucking friends and shit. Tell all your friends! You know, we, we take kind of a gorilla, um, you know, you know, kind of, like, idea of, uh, marketing here at, uh, Mystery Murder Thingy. We, we just invite you to do anything you can. Um, you know, if, if you want to, you know, carve Mystery Murder Thingy onto a hallowed memorial that happens to be in your town. Yeah. You know, is anyone going to stop you? If the police no. see you, yeah, but otherwise, no. Otherwise, so, no. That'd be cool. Um, write it on bathroom wall. Um, you know, just like t- write it on a, a homework assignment instead of what you're supposed to write. That could be kind of fun. Then your teacher finds out about it. It's a nice little moment between you. Oh, uh, I forgot to do my homework, but... Hey, but. listen to this podcast. <laughs> um, just anything, you know. It's just a lot of different things. Yeah. So. Yeah. 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 Oh, yeah. Yeah. Totally. Can we go get McDonald's? Um, perhaps not. Uh, bye. Bye. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com pack for free shipping and 365-day returns.